0: T's and C's apply in South Wales, authorisation number tp slash 01005. The one thing I have missed terribly over the past two years is the ASB Classic. Not just the tournament itself, but working with arguably the finest tennis commentator in the world who is not just a good bloke, he's just very good at his job. Probably called himself an average fly fisherman. But Robbie Koenig joins us now ahead of the Australian Open. He's there at the Adelaide International Morning, Rob.
1: Morning, Stephen. Uh, thanks for the kind words, and just like you, I have really missed my time in Auckland over the last couple of years. But fingers crossed, we'll uh, be back to business in 2023. I've got a strong feeling that might be the case, Steve.
0: Mate, mate here's hoping. Now, I, I have to uh, ask you about this question because you, you gave me a heads up about it. Uh, you have had the virus, and it's knocked you around a bit.
1: It has. I got it uh, right before I was supposed to come out to the ATP Cup. I got it on the 22nd of December. And, um, yeah, I had, had a couple of symptoms, and for about five or six days, uh, I was manned down. Nothing too serious, but i tell you what, Steve, it lingers. It's taken a while for me to get my fitness back, a little bit lethargic, um, but it's taken you know, almost a good three and a half weeks now that I feel normal.
0: But you're, but you're all good to go. You're fully boosted up and ready to go, even in the face of what's happening in Australia at the moment.
1: I tell you what, it is carnage out here, and I'm sure everybody's been following it very closely. But uh, in many ways, I'm quite sad how this whole situation has unfolded, Steve.
0: Well, on that, and I, I know you are not one to hold back. What do you think of the Djokovic situation? Should he stay or should he go?
1: Um, I think it sounds like—is it a who on That should he stay or should he go? Is it the Clash? Anyway,
0: <laughs> Clash, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah um you know initially i was i was very sympathetic towards his case stephen um i thought he was probably uh, mishandled i think probably bullied when he initially arrived but as the days have unfolded and the evidence has come to light it seems more and more to me that there's some dodgy things that have been happening with the the pcr test that he had on the 16th of december now that' That 16th of December positive PCR test is the most crucial piece of documentation that Novak has because that's what basically has allowed him to come into Australia on this medical exemption. But, you know, that thing has been put under forensic scrutiny over the last couple of days. Um, And it seems like initially when people had a look at the QR code, it said that he was negative. And then an hour later somehow that changed to being positive. So that asked all kinds of questions initially. But then when they had a look at the digital timestamp, on, he actually had two COVID tests. He did have one a few days later on the 22nd of December to show that he was now negative. That was something they did to try and prove that he was okay now to then travel. Um, It seems like the test that was done on the 16th of December was actually done after the one on the 22nd of December, according to the digital timestamp. And, of course, if you're manipulating tests, there's going to be some serious consequences. And we know how countries like Australia, and even yourselves, are quite strict with their border controls. And if Novak has been, uh, well, Novak's team has been messing with uh, those readings in conjunction with some people... He could be in for a very tough time and we're going to get the decision today, Stephen. And I think based on everything that I've seen, just clearly looking at the evidence and speaking to other people, I think he might be deported today. I think there's a better chance of him being deported than there is of him staying.
0: And so when we look at tennis and we look at the first major of the year in the Australian Open, that happening with no Roger Federer, but Rafa is there. Does it become more open, wide open? I've just been looking at the, the round of 16 results uh, where you are at Adelaide. Uh, Cook and Narcus, both a wild card, gets Isner. catching uh, is cruising. Chilich looks OK, although his ranking and seating is way down. And then you go to Sydney and, and Andy Murray's uh, so suddenly alive and kicking. What do you make of the who, who does what at the Open?
1: Yeah, I think uh, some of those names that you mentioned, um, I put them a little lower down uh, the pecking order. Yep. Um, you know, you've got a guy like Daniil Medvedev, who's won the US Open recently. I think I yep. think Alexander Zverev is playing some of the best tennis. So the way he finished the tail end of last year, you know, since he won the Olympic gold, won the ATP finals at the end of the year he would be right up there. Those two guys would be my top pick. Yeah. Um, pass played really well last year. I remember he came back from two sets to love down to beat Rafa. Rafa hasn't played particularly well here over the last couple of years. He's missed it through injury. He let that one get away from him against pass last year. He would actually, uh, I would put him lower down in the picking order. I'd put Zverev, Medvedev, and Pass ahead of him. And then, you know, if you're looking for perhaps if you start looking for players outside of the top ten, Stephen, mm. um, you know, I throw in somebody like a Yannick Sinner for the young guys. Yep. I mean, the Italian for me is, is definitely a multiple major winner in years
0: to come. Yeah, oh, I've got to ask you because I've spoken to you before about this, Casper uh, Rude, What chance do he He had a br- huge twenty twenty one. I mean, is he? Do you see major winner in Casper Ruud?
1: I do, but not on a hard court yet, Stephen. Um, I think he showed us this year how good he is on clay court, winning three clay court tournaments in a row after Wimbledon. But those were the lower levels. Those were the 250s, similar to the ones, uh, similar to the tournament that we have in Auckland every year. So the field is a little bit more diluted. I think on a hard court at this level, he's not quite ready to win a major yet. I think we've got to give him three or four more years. Uh, again, on the surface, but on a clay court, I think he starts to become a strong contender at the French Open. Um, Definitely, I'd put him as as one of the players who would make it through to my quarterfinal, but not here at at Australia. The conditions are too lively for him. The ball is too fast through the air and off of the court.
0: Do you give Andy Murray any shout of advancing?
1: Uh, No. When you say advancing... You mean you know what I you know, know what I mean, things. Rob?
0: As you know,
1: <laughs> finals are going all the way.
0: <laughs> not going all uh, the way, just just sort of surprising everybody and even making a quarter.
1: Yeah, he could absolutely. Um, I mean, he played a great match last night against Nicholas Beshler. Really, he, he should have beaten them in straight sets, but he took the scenic route. But um, <laughs> you know, Andy's got the experience in, in, in his head. He thinks that he can beat these guys. You know, just whether the body is willing or not, um, that's a different story. But I mean, it would be a fairy tale story if if Muza could go, you know, deep into the tournament. I mean, he's, you know, he's has been pretty popular on social media with some of the comebacks he's had during uh, the last five days. He was giving Nigel Farage in the UK um, a bit of a ribbing after he posted that video uh, with them hanging out with Djokovic's family in Serbia. Um, he posted something to the effect, uh, I'm just waiting for the awkward moments Um, when the video surfaces and everybody's reminded that this guy was trying to kick immigrants out of UK for most of his political career. And of course, that went down really well on social media. So, you know, Andy's been a social media warrior at at times um, and he gets a lot of popularity from the public season.
0: Let's let's talk about the state of men's tennis now. It's been, as we know, it's been a crazy couple of years, and it's and it continues. But the, the Roger it hasn't been around. Uh, you've yeah. got you've got Djokovic now. You've got Nadal seemingly, and I hate to say use this word seemingly in the twilight of his career. I mean, do you think there's another major in Rafa? Yes, I think when
1: you when you have the attitude and the grip that he has. Uh, There's no question about it. Uh, last year, he had a few too many injuries. That was a problem. He had foot uh, surgery as well. Uh, till end of last year, he basically tapped down a season uh, a short to make sure he got that sorted out. That's been an ongoing problem since he was uh, 17 years of age, uh, trying to get that foot sorted out. So, um, so he's always just lived with the pain. So, you know, I think he'll look at the start of this year as, you know, getting in shape, hopefully do well at the Australian Open. As I said to you, I don't think he can win it. But he's got, what, four or five months before the French Open rolls around again. And, you know, we saw how close he came to winning that his match against Djokovic uh, last year. It was one of the epics. Certainly on clay, he can absolutely do it. And by the time, you know, Wimbledon and the US Open come around, if the foot is feeling good and he is so, um, I think he's so much more uh, reliant on his physicality than, say, some of the other players that you mentioned. If he's feeling good, he's always in the mix. Um, You know, he can just out-physical so many players.
0: We have been blessed with an incredible era in men's tennis. We know the names, but now they're they're starting to, you know, call time. I I wonder whether we see Roger uh, again at all. But if if you take them out of the equation, right, and they'll they'll hang around for a while, I understand that. Do you see enough personality, on-court personality, in the next generation... To maintain the levels we have been treated to.
1: Great question. Um, I'm just pulling up some of the, the guys, the younger guys. Well, look, Medvedev, Zverev, pass, You
0: know these guys. I mean, do yeah, they do they have no, the personality no, for you?
1: Um, different personalities. Uh, Medvedev's got a bit of a, an FU personality whereby uh, you know he gave it to the New York crowd a couple of years ago at, at the US Open when he went deep there. Uh, I think yeah, he, um, he's got a rock-star looks. He's got a rock-star game. Um, these guys will become superstars just by virtue of the fact that they win majors, and I think they will. I think that is just the next progression. You've got a young guy, 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz from Spain, who is going to be an absolute superstar. The kid's game is a joke. How good he is! Uh, there's another Italian guy called Lorenzo Massetti. Again, he's got the, the rock star looks, a single handed backhand. Oh, I'd, probably, yes. I'd probably describe him as a poor man's version of Roger Federer. Um, you know, he's a potential, um, you know, person who could easily carry the sport on his shoulders. So, there's definitely some guys out there. You've got Felix or Jaelia and from an American point of view, Sebastian Corda, who is of course uh, the brother of the current uh, world number one on the women's golf. Nelly, um, you know, if, if we have an American that comes through, I think we can captivate that market as well, which has been left behind for a number of years, Stephen.
0: So, so you feel the game as a whole on the men's side and the ATP Tour is in good health?
1: Yeah, it's not unbelievable. And at the same time, I don't think um, there's too much to be concerned about. It's always going to be a little a bit of a dip-off when you come off the greatest era the sport has ever had. I think if we're honest, we can all agree on that. But uh, I don't
0: think it's going to be disastrous by any stretch of the imagination. What do you? And just briefly, Rob. I know, I know it's not a focus for you, but you no know, Serena, no know Venus at, a, at an Open for, for the first time, and I, I can't remember how often. I mean, and there's a new movie out, which I'm pretty excited about. It just somehow doesn't seem right.
1: Uh, it doesn't, uh, it, you know, again, we've been blessed with these players that have been around for so long and have just taken the sport to vertigo-inducing hype. But, you know, the excitement this year and all is that there's a huge buzz around Ash Body. Yeah. You know, could we have the first Australian winner in a number of years? Women's tennis has got so much depth these days. You know, I mean, a perfect example of that is Barbora Bob- Kachinko winning the French Open last year out of, out of nowhere in inverted commas, but that's how good they all are. So I think there's, you know, there's 15 or 20 women who enter the Australian Open who think I've got a legitimate shot of winning this. And it's not often that we can say something like it. You look at somebody like Coco Goss, you know, just 17 years of age. I think she is uh, American superstar. Um, the sports is in good hands. Emma Khan is had a tough time. She won the US Open again. You know, another one who's just 18 years of age, 19, I think. Um Women's tennis is in a good place. And again, by virtue of the fact that someone has to win majors, they will automatically create and become superstars.
0: All right, let's get to more important things. Are you able to find anywhere to go fly fishing in Adelaide? Is there such a thing as fly fishing in Adelaide?
1: No, I've got to travel too far. But I must let you know that uh, the fishing rod is in the golf bag. It's one of those travel ones. So I've got the golf clubs and the fly fishing
0: rod at the ready in case the opportunity presents itself, Steve. Well, that's the most important thing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know, mate. The other thing, uh, your young son I know is playing tennis. How's he going?
1: He's going pretty well. Um, he finished uh, just up top 100 as juniors, but in all fairness, he wasn't able to travel as much given the restrictions we had in South Africa. But more than likely off to college in America. He's had a couple of uh, nice offers there. So he'll be heading there to play tennis and study uh, towards the end of the year. And and he's got six months to play now uh, before he goes to college. So um, I hope, I'm hoping he lights it up. And I'm hoping
0: he signs a multi-million dollar deal with Nike so dad can retire. Yeah, So and so what sort of dad are you going to be when he starts getting competitive and start getting good? Are you going to be the all-in dad or the sit back and let someone else do it, dad? Uh, I
1: think I'm going to
0: let you ask that question. How do you think I would be? Yeah, a night, <laughs> a, a, a bloody nightmare. <laughs> Rob, it is it is always so good and you are so generous with your time. But I, mean, I do miss hanging out with you. Uh, here's hoping we can do it soon. thanks, Stephen. You're the best in the business. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Rob Koenig, uh, he he is arguably the best tennis commentator running around. He has got a turn of phrase uh, that you cannot believe. There was one phrase, if I get it right... Uh, when a couple of years back, well, it would be a couple of years back, and he was he was suggesting that someone's someone's uh, uh, way they were playing, they were like an uncontrollable hose out of, a hose out of control. You know, yeah. When you put it on full boards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he is and he is incredibly well researched, and he has a, a memory like an elephant. He is genuinely one of the good guys in the game.